0: Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Hey, uh, if you would do me a favor, pull out your Bible app, pull out your Tree of Life Church app. If you have a physical Bible, pull out your physical Bible today. And I would like to dive into this word. If you don't know me, my name is Cody Jones. I'm the worship pastor here at Tree of Life Church. Um, and I'm so privileged and honored to be able to share from this topic today, love thy neighbor. Pastor Don added on his heart that we would preach this series called Love Thy Neighbor. And I really think it's important that we understand this concept because in today's world, it seems like it's easier than ever to not show love to your neighbor. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It might be the person who lives next door to you. It might be the person who cuts you off in traffic. It might be the person that is your coworker that never stops talking during the day or whatever that may be. It might be the person who has a different political persuasion than you, different ideas about life, different ideas about culture and race. But it seems like it's never been easier to fight against our neighbor instead of loving our neighbor. And so today I want to read this passage of scripture for you. It's a classic passage of scripture, but I hope that we can see something brand new in it today. No matter how many times you read the Bible, you can always find something new to learn because it's the living word of God. And it doesn't just, you don't just read it. It begins to speak to you. It begins to read into you. It begins to transform you. And so I'm going to read Luke 10, 25 through 37 out of the new living translation. And Jesus is hanging out and it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. How many of you know that sometimes we can be experts in how to do church, but not really be experts in how to love our neighbor? Can I just say I'm really guilty of that at times, of knowing how to do church well and how to be religious, but not how to love the people around me? And he said, teacher, he's talking to Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So Jesus says, hey, have you read the Old Testament? What does it say? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what you need to know about this is that he actually combined two scriptures, which means he had studied this before. He knew the right answer. And Jesus said, write, do this and you will live. This man wanted to justify his actions. I don't know about you, but I've never wanted to justify my actions, right? Okay, I'm lying. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he studied the scripture before. He actually studied it so well that when Jesus asked him the question, he has an immediate answer and it's two scriptures combined. And he says this answer, but then he wants to justify how he's living. So he knows in his head what the right answer is, but he knows there's a disconnect between his actions and his knowledge. And he says, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus replies with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan. This is a person who was basically half Jewish. And in that day and age, the Jewish people did not like Samaritans because of this ethnic difference. It says that a despised Samaritan came by and he he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that today you're going to help us to see how we can love people better. God, I thank you that today that you're going to help us to see from your word that there's something inside of us that other people need. That even in times when we feel empty, we have something to give in Jesus name. You know, uh, When I was a kid growing up, we lived in San Diego for a couple of years. And I remember this one year, it was Thanksgiving day and our church did this really cool thing. They went to this neighborhood called Hillcrest. It was a pretty rough area. And they went to a park where a lot of homeless people lived and and kind of where they congregated. And on Thanksgiving day, they brought this massive Thanksgiving meal and they cooked this huge meal and we just served it to the homeless community there in Hillcrest. And I remember as I was about probably nine years old, standing there and just hearing people's stories. And there was this one guy that knew the Bible, like, I think better than anybody from our church. He had been to a Bible school and, and he had had some rough times in life and things like that. And he disagreed with certain things, but man, he could quote scripture left and right. And I remember there was this one guy, he was wearing a blue t-shirt, I'll never forget. And he had a really fresh looking sleeping bag and his shirt was pretty clean. And he said, you know, actually, I just became homeless two weeks ago. And I remember just what that did inside my my head at about nine years old. I don't think I really noticed it at first, but over the years, it kind of began to develop this compassion in me for people who had lost everything. And whether it was that they had lost everything from their own choices or whether it was that they had lost everything from something that happened to them or a mental illness, whatever that may be, there was this compassion that kind of rose up in me. And you know, as life goes on and as everybody gets busy, there's things that we have to do. But I wanna tell you the other day I was driving down the road and this is something that God's been doing kind of slowly in me for a little bit. And I was driving under this bridge and there was a homeless man struggling to get up. And as he was struggling to get up, uh, I just thought, man, I hope he doesn't fall first of all. And I was driving and I was talking to my wife on the phone and I just kept looking back to see if he could get up. And he finally got up, and so I was like, okay, that's good, that's good. And he started to stumble some more. And I tried to see him in my rearview mirror, but I kind of lost sight of him. And I was talking to my wife, and you know, I just, I thought, you know, I just need to hang up and I need to go check on this man. I need to see if he fell again, to be honest with you, see if he can get back up again. He's under an underpass. Who's going to help him out? How's he going to cross? He was kind of in the median area. And really, what struck me, and I want to just, be really honest with you right here, is this concept that I used to turn around more. I used to stop more. I used to ask people how they were doing more. A little funny note about this. I used to be way better about like if someone's car had broken down, helping them push it or something like that. And the other day I had one of these moments where I thought, you know, I used to do this more and I'm going to make sure and take care of it. And so I stopped at this gas station because somebody had Gotten, they had broken down in the right, in the turn lane, right in the turn lane. And they were sitting in their car. They hadn't pushed it yet. Now I was gonna help them push it into the gas station. And I got out of my car. And when I got out of my car and looked to go help them, I actually noticed that there were two, like 20 something year old guys in the car and they were both sitting there. And I just got back on the phone with my wife. And I was like, I'm not helping them. I'm out of here. <laughs> you should be able to push this on your own. So maybe that was compassion. Maybe that wasn't. I don't know. You can be the judge of that but i just this concept struck me a couple of times lately i used to turn around more and i love what it says that the samaritan man he stopped it says that a priest by chance just happened upon the man and he kept going it says that this levite they call him a temple assistant in the in the new living translation but his job was to serve in the house of god think of it this way these were people who were on the church staff These were the people up front with the microphone. They passed this guy and I don't know what was going through the head. They might've been thinking, you know, I'm busy. I got things to do. I got to be at the temple at 4 p.m. to start the temple service. I don't know what it was. They may have been thinking, hey, this is risky. Obviously somebody just jumped them. I don't know if they're still here. I'm a priest. I'm not really good at fighting. I'm good at sacrifices and praying. I'm not going to stop and risk my life. I don't know what they were thinking, but this man stopped. And I just wonder... Did you used to stop more? Did you used to turn around more? This man shows us these four things that love does because we have this idea in our culture that love is a state of being. Like I'm in love and now I'm out of love, right? I fell in love, but you know what? I fell out of love. I'm not in love with that person anymore. But the Bible is really clear that there's only one person for whom love is a state of being and that's God. First John 4, 8 says that God is love. But the Bible teaches us in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that God produces in us is love. That love is something that we do, but it's who God is. And love is always doing something. And there's four things that this man teaches us that love does. Number one, he teaches us that love stops. And I just don't know if that's the same for you as it is for me, but I know I used to stop more. And I know I can't always stop. I know I can't always help everybody but if God's tugging on my heart, am I still stopping when I feel the Holy Spirit pull a little bit? Like who presses the brakes in your life? Is it you? Is it your schedule? Is it the demands of work? Or is it the Holy Spirit and his compassion? And he teaches us this amazing Samaritan man that love always stops when it sees a need. I heard this preacher say one time, every time I feel compassion for someone, I know that the Holy Spirit is about to flow through me because the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed them. You can sense when compassion rises up in you and that's the Holy Spirit wanting to bring healing in and through your life. I wonder if you stop as much as you used to. The second thing that this man teaches us is that love gets its hands dirty. I'm going to be that guy for a second and y'all, some of y'all are going to judge me. I don't eat wings. I don't eat wings because I don't want to go to a place and leave looking like a caveman. I just want to eat it, wipe my hands off and be done. There is one exception that I make to this rule. Uh, Two exceptions. One of them is my brother-in-law makes some pretty killer ribs and I'll eat those. And then the second exception is if I'm going to eat tacos al pastor, that's what I'm going to do. If you can give me five tacos al pastor, a mountain of napkins and a ton of salsa, I will have the dirtiest hands in history. But that's the only time I make an exception to that rule. And I love this guy because he's going on this journey and he stops and this guy got beat up that's laying there on the side of the road. And he decides to get down there and get his hands dirty. I mean, he decides to get down with this guy who has been beaten and bloodied and bruised. And who knows what's on him. He decides to get his hands dirty. And we live in a culture where sometimes we don't want to get our hands dirty with the hurt that someone else feels. We live in a culture where sometimes we don't want to get our hands dirty with the pain that someone else is going through. Hey man, you, you should probably just talk to a counselor or to your mom or something. That's too much for me right now but this man chose to get down and to get his hands dirty with the pain that this other person was feeling. I wonder if we get close enough to people to feel their pain. I wonder if we get close enough to people to get our hands dirty with the things that they've gone through in their lives. I wonder if we get close enough to people to not judge them anymore. And not look at their wounds and go, man, that was probably self-inflicted. Like you probably shouldn't have been here at this particular time. You probably should have been doing something different. You knew you shouldn't have been here. You knew you shouldn't have done that. You knew you shouldn't have had those friends. You knew you shouldn't have drank this or smoked that or whatever it was. I wonder if we get close enough to touch their wounds and get our hands a little bit dirty. The third thing that he does that's really powerful is that he gives. He gives. Love gives. And I'm not just talking about time. Love gives of its resources. In fact, the Bible says that he gave two denarii and that would have been two days wages to an innkeeper to take care of this guy. And then the very next thing he says is, I'm gonna come back later. If you have to spend more money taking care of this guy, then just let me know, just put it on my tab is basically what he tells him. Can you imagine working two hours or two days of your life, what's 20 hours, if you're a 10 hour a day person and giving all of that money to a stranger that you never knew? I think there's a metric for love in our lives that we don't like to talk about. And I'm not gonna spend a ton of time here, but this is really challenging to me as well. My finances are a metric for how much I love people. Because Jesus said, you can't love God and love money at the same time. And if the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, then they're tied. So if I love my money more than I love my neighbor, can I just challenge us all, including myself with this? Then I love my money more than I love God. And our finances are a metric for how much we love our neighbor. Am I willing to give to somebody that's in need? Am I willing to give sacrificially? I don't know if this guy was rich. I mean, this is just a story that Jesus made up, which I love it on the spot. He just comes up with this amazing story. But I don't know if this guy was wealthy. I don't know if this is a ton of money in his mind, but he chooses to give because he cares about the well-being of another person. And I would dare say that it's not necessarily just about a dollar amount, but it's about the willingness to sacrifice to help somebody else. It's about the willingness to give from a deep place where sometimes it's not even easy to do it. But God asks us to, to bless somebody else and that's why we do it. And then the fourth thing that love does, this man shows us this, is that love serves. See, because the priest could have walked by and been like, hey, I'll pray for you. Speak 1 Peter two twenty four over you. By Jesus' stripes, you're healed. He could have said, hey, man, I'm just... Believe in God that you're gonna live, you'll be okay, that somebody will come along who can help you, but I'm busy right now. And I don't know what took place in those people's minds, but here's what I do know. In the Samaritan's mind, love didn't just speak or pass by or look, love served. And I wanna encourage you today that love always serves. Love always takes care of people. It does something tangible to help someone else. And so the man stops, he gets his hands dirty, he gives, he serves. And these are powerful and practical tools for how you can love your neighbor. You got to stop. You got to get your hands dirty and help them. You got to give and be generous. You got to serve them. But I got to tell you that as I was preparing for this message, something God dropped inside of me is the one thing I want you to leave with today. And actually just to remind you that every moment can be a holy moment. I was actually, it was like 11.30 at night, my little girl woke up. So I picked her up, she was crying, walked her around. And as I'm walking her around to put her back to sleep, I gotta be super honest with you. I had almost, I had like barely any direction on a message. This was earlier this week. And it's like 11.30, I'm walking my little girl around because she was crying and woke up. And as I'm walking, it was like, God just dropped this in my heart, anointed to heal. And I wanna just home in on this one, Verse really quick. In verse 34, it says this, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and he bandaged them. Now to us in our context, olive oil and wine is weird. It's like, what are you, Rachel Ray? You know, like you're just dumping it all over him. In our context, your mom would have told you like put peroxide or antibiotic ointment. If you live in South Texas, your mom might've said like, Ponte Vicks, mijo, or something like that. But in this context, it really means something. And Jesus chose it for a reason. Because see, in the Old Testament, oil represented refreshing. It represented dignity. It was giving somebody honor. Did you know that? That when somebody showed up to a home, sometimes people would anoint them with oil because you gotta remember, they lived in the Middle East, so it was hot. And so they would show up to this house and somebody would anoint them with oil and it would refresh them. They would put oil on their head. It would refresh them. And it was a sign of honor. Can we just stop for a second and say, this guy gets down from his donkey and honors this man who has been beaten and bruised as from a different ethnicity than him, from a group of people that don't even like him. And he stops to honor this man and to refresh him. But the other thing that oil represents In the Bible is the anointing or the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then wine, wine represents obviously the Holy Spirit as well. It also represents the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. And so I read where somebody was talking about how the man poured the wine on to cleanse the wound and he poured the oil on to soothe and heal the wound. And I wonder if God has called all of us to be people who would pour the cleansing wine of Jesus onto the places where people are hurt. I wonder if he's called us to be people who would pour the soothing and healing oil of the Holy Spirit's anointing onto the wounds of the people around us. And I wanna just kind of stop and challenge us with that today because I believe that you are anointed to heal. I believe that God has something for you that is greater than just you going through life and every once in a while stopping to help somebody. I believe that God has placed something specific on the inside of you that people need. But I don't want you to ever think a couple of things. Number one, I don't want you to ever think that the people that stand on this stage have everything together. That the people that serve in this church, whether volunteers or staff, have everything together. Because I think that can be a barrier to us helping other people. We can think that, you know, I would help other people heal, but here's the deal. I think that I just don't have it all together. I'm not the right person for this task at this time. There's some stuff that needs to change in my life. Can I tell you this week for me has been one of the most difficult weeks I've had in the while, And there've been moments where I've prayed and I've asked God like, hey, what are you doing? Where are you at right now? And it's okay to have those conversations with God. I was thinking on the way over here, you know, Jesus, some of his last words when he's on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't you think that Jesus knew why God had turned his face from him? But Jesus even had that discussion with his heavenly father. Jesus was honest with God. And it's okay for you to have some difficulties in life and be honest about your struggles and be honest about what's going on. But can I tell you this? That sometimes in the middle of your greatest pain, God wants to use you to pour oil on someone else's wounds. And really it reminds me of this scripture in 2 Kings. It's this passage of scripture where this widow She's, um. her husband was a prophet and he was part of this school of prophets and he dies and apparently they had a lot of debt. Apparently he was really, really good at praying, but not really good at finances. You know what I mean? And uh, they had a lot of debt and the creditors are coming because they're gonna take her sons as slaves to pay for the debt. And it's so fascinating because she goes to the prophet and she says, hey, listen, my husband, was a part of this group of prophets that you're a part of and he served you faithfully and he served God faithfully, but we've got nothing left and they're coming for my kids and they're gonna take them. And she's in this place where she's just empty. And the prophet says to her, hey, what do you have? Can I just ask you that question today? You may feel like you're empty, but what do you have still? And he pauses her and he says, what do you have? And she says, I have this little flask of oil. And he said, well, go get jars from as many neighbors as possible. And I want you to begin to just pour that little flask of oil out. And her sons begin collecting jars and all these neighbors are giving her jars and she begins to pour this oil out. And as she pours from that little flask, every jar, the Bible says, is filled to the brim. And she pours and she pours and she pours until there's nothing left. There are no more jars to fill. And as soon as there are no more jars to fill, the oil stops flowing. It's sometimes not about how full you wish you were, but sometimes the wound that God wants to heal in your life can only be healed if you'll choose to pour the oil on someone else's wound. Sometimes it's about you stepping up and going, you know, I don't feel healed. I don't feel healthy right now. I don't feel like I'm able to do this. I don't feel like I've got it all together yet, but I'm gonna pour out bless somebody else. And I know that God will fill me up in return. This may have been the most difficult season of your life, but can I tell you, you are anointed to heal. You may be anointed to heal people from the hurt of racism. You may be anointed to heal people from the hurt of divorce. You may be anointed to heal people from the hurt of addiction. You may be anointed to heal people from the hurt of wounds, of things that people said about them in their past. God has given you an anointing to heal. I don't want you to ever think that you have to have it all together to come in this place and serve so that someone else can receive healing. And the second thing I don't want you to ever think is that you don't have anything to offer, that the church doesn't need what you have. We were in this um, prayer meeting on a Saturday, probably a month or two ago, and Pastor Karen was, praying, and and she began praying for people to hear from the Holy Spirit and to know exactly what to say. And naturally, my mind, just being what it is, I thought it was gonna be about like the people that had a microphone. You know, I thought like, okay, the singer, they're gonna have something to say that's just the right thing for the right time for the people in the room. Or, you know, maybe it's gonna be like the preacher's gonna know what to say. And, And she began to pray this, that everybody that's volunteering would know the right thing to say to the people that they come in contact with that day. And what she was really praying was like, if you're a greeter, if you're an usher, that when you meet somebody for the first time, that God could use you to bring healing to them before they ever even walk into the auditorium. See, Ephesians 4 is really clear that the church is like a body and that every part is needed by the other. I mean, your toes, you don't even think about your toes. You just think that they're there. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes you stop them and you try not to say a bad word and you honor God or whatever it may be. But your toes, you know that they help you balance? Like the reason I'm not falling off of this stage right now is what my toes are actually doing for me. You may think that you have this tiny insignificant part in the kingdom of God. But I believe that God would say to you, you have something to give. Can I say this very directly? The church is not a business, it's a body. And there are no consumers in the church unless you're brand new and that's okay. My 19 month old little girl, the only thing she does to, con- to contribute to our household is if you ask her to throw away a piece of trash, she goes, trash, trash, because it's the only time she's allowed to touch the trash can. And so she'll run and throw it in and then make sure she touches it to make sure the lid goes down because that's the only time she's allowed. And if you're brand new here, that's okay. You don't have to contribute right now. But can I just say, if you've been here for a little bit, there's no such thing as a consumer only in the church body because we're not a business. We're all owners. We're all contributors. We're all here serving. And so there's no such thing as this difference between, well, you're on staff and and you do this, but I'm just here to receive something. No, God has given you something to contribute to this place. Don't ever walk in the door and think that because of your past, because of your background, because of your present, because of the turmoil and the chaos that's happening in your life, because of the diagnosis that you receive, because of the difficulties in your finances, because of the divorce you're going through, that God can't use you to pour into someone else's life. Can I tell you this today, friend? There are classrooms that need to be open because we're waiting for people to say, I'll pour out. There are small groups that could be started that could bring healing to people who are walking through what you've been through, but we're waiting for you to say, I'll pour out what I have. That sometimes it's not about coming and feeling like you're full so you can give. It's about pouring out the very last drop you think you have so that God can refill you and fill you again and fill you again. And I just have to wonder if our lives could be a metaphor for those jars of oil. That when that lady poured out what was in the flask, it filled up all the others. Can I tell you today, maybe it's less about you getting filled up and maybe it's about the jar sitting next to you And the jar sitting back there and the jar over there and the jar that's online, those jars being filled up, that person sitting next to you. Maybe it's about filling them up to the full with God's anointing. And God will take care of you if you do that. The resolution to that story is that at the very end of it, when all the jars have been gathered, there's no more to gather, the oil stops flowing, she pays off her debts. And then she has enough to live on after that. I wonder today if God would use you pouring in and filling up someone else to clear something from what's going on inside of you, to heal something from what's happening in your heart and to give you a new lease on life. I just wonder today if God would say to you, you do have something to give. You do have something to contribute to this place. And there's two things that I want you to take from this message. If you didn't take any notes today, that's fine. But I want you to write down these two things in your phone, on your notepad, whatever you wanna do. Write this down. You are anointed to heal. You are anointed to heal and you have something to give. You are anointed to heal and you have something to give. In fact, could you say that with me? Say, I am anointed to heal. I have something to give. I don't want you to ever walk through these doors and think, I just don't think there's something that I can contribute to this place. This church is built on 40 years of people who sometimes were at the very end of their rope saying, I'm going to show up again and I'm going to contribute. I'm gonna show up again in the midst of my pain and I'm gonna allow God to use me. I don't want you to ever show up to work and think, you know what, it's been a tough season at work and I'm just gonna try to skate by. No, God has anointed you to heal people. That The person who sits next to you at work, the person you're at lunch with at work, you can be the one that helps bring healing to that person you are anointed to heal. And whether or not you feel it and whether or not you believe it, I wanna challenge you today. Whatever little bit of oil you have left, let me put it this way, whatever little bit of encouragement you have left inside of you, whatever little bit of strength you have left inside of you, would you just do me the favor of pouring it into somebody else and seeing what God does on the inside of you? Would you just do me the the favor of trying to pour into someone else's life and seeing what God might do in and through yours. You're anointed to heal. You have something to give. Whether you feel like you're perfect or not, if you feel like you're perfect, come talk to me. We'll figure out how you're not, because I know you're not. Whether you feel like you're broken beyond repair, God loves to use broken people. You know, it reminds me of the story of the lady who showed up and uh, she broke open an alabaster jar of perfume and poured it on Jesus's feet. The term we would use would be, she anointed him. You know that that lady, by all that we really know was a prostitute and she had the audacity to show up and to pour out what she had onto Jesus. And the honor that was given to God out of her broken place, we're still talking about today. Can I tell you this today, friend? You may be struggling with something. You may be dealing with something. It may be your fault. It may not be your fault. I don't know what it is. But you could be like this lady and you could just walk up to Jesus today and give him the most broken part of your life and just commit it to him and say, God, this is all I've God at this point. I feel like I'm broken beyond repair, but I'm just gonna pour out what I have on you and watch you change me from the inside out. And we see that that lady went on to impact generations of people. Again, we're still talking about her today. I just wonder who God can impact if you choose to pour from your broken place today. I wonder who God could transform if you choose to say, I'll give every ounce of what I have and allow God to take care of me as I take care of others. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, I just, I want you to know today how loved you are. I want you to know today that you don't have to have it all together to walk in this place. I want you to know today that God is proud of you for showing up again. My goodness, sometimes the best thing you can do is just get into church on a Sunday morning. You feel like you got punched in the gut all week, but you showed up. And can I tell you, I think it just makes the devil so mad that you showed up today. Because God would have wanted you to be healed in this place, but the devil would have wanted you to stay home and just let the hurt continue to grow. But I want you to know God's proud of you because you showed up. I want you to know God's proud of you because you tuned in online. God's proud of you because you made a step today. To the usher who's been going through it this week, to the greeter, to the tree kids volunteer, whatever it may be. And you showed up today to pour into someone else. I want you to know God's proud of you and God's going to refresh you today that you're gonna leave in this deep place somewhere inside of you. You may know that not everything is fixed and changed and better, but I feel refreshed. Proverbs eleven twenty five: that a generous person will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And if you're broken today and it was all you could do to come, and maybe you feel like you're broken beyond repair, Like I said, maybe it was something that you did. Maybe it was something that was done to you. Maybe it was just that life was difficult. And you just chose to show up today. My friend, can I just encourage you to be like that woman at Jesus's feet who just poured out everything that she had. Just give him everything, the broken parts of you, the parts that you wish that nobody would see. Give him those parts and let him heal and deliver and transform. Just pour it out today. So Father, in this place today, we just invite your healing anointing. We say that and we're not just talking about physical things. And sure, we welcome that, God. We welcome healing from cancer and diabetes and sicknesses, God, and back problems and all these things. But God, we welcome the healing power of your presence to heal our emotions, to heal our souls. You restore our soul, Psalm 23, six says, to heal the places that have been wounded in us. We welcome you, God. But God, from that place, would you use us to heal somebody else? God, would you remind us that we're anointed to heal. And when we feel like we've got nothing left inside of us, we do have something to give. That like the Samaritan man, that we have something that we can provide to someone else. And Lord, I thank you that you are always faithful and always good. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you wanna find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.